Okay, number 1012. This is when Christ was on the cross, you know, they hollered, He can't save himself. Come down from the cross if thou be God, and so on. So this is what this is about. Himself he cannot save, insulting foe, tis true. The words a gracious meaning have, though meant in scorn by you. Himself he cannot save, this is his highest praise. Himself for others' sake he gave and suffers in their place. It were an easy part for him to the cross to fly, but love to sinners fills his heart and makes him choose to die. Tis love the cause unfolds, the deep mysterious cause, why he who all the world upholds hangs upon yonder cross. Let carnal Jews blaspheme and worldly wisdom mock. The Savior's cross shall be my theme and Christ himself my rock. I thought you'd enjoy that with me today. All right. Now, last week in our lesson, we were in Luke 20, and we had uh, gone over that section where the... Uh, the Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection or in angels or in spirits had brought a mock situation to our Lord speaking about a woman that uh, married a man he had six other brothers and they all died and so on. We're going to read that again because I don't think we, we covered it well enough for my satisfaction last week and I want to bring in Matthew's reading of it also so let's read again now Luke 20 verse 27 then came to him certain of the Sadducees which deny that there is any resurrection uh, again I marvel that they even had a place in that religious world at the time they didn't believe there was a resurrection and they asked him saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us, If any man's brother die, having a wife, and he die without children, that his brother should take up his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. There were therefore seven brethren, and the first took a wife and died without children, and the second took her to wife, and he died childless, and the third took her, and in like manner, though seven also. And they left no children and died. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection... Whose wife of them is she? For seven had had her to wife. And Jesus answering said unto them, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, and neither can they die any more, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed us at the bush when he called the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, for he is not a God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. Now I want you to turn to Matthew 22. We start reading with verse 29. We won't have to read the whole story over again about the seven brothers and the wife, but we'll 
start here at the conclusion of that, and we're going to find some additional information given in Matthew. Verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now, this section in Matthew gives us some additional information that we didn't have in Luke. Now, it was the Sadducees asking this. And remember, the Sadducees had the highest place in the Sanhedrin court. They were the rulers above Pharisees. They were like the, you know, you have bishops and, and on and up till you get to the top. Well, these were high ups. And we have their doctrine defined for us by the Apostle Paul. Turn to Acts 23 and look at verse 7. Seven and eight and nine and and uh, well, let's see six. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, "Men and brethren!" Now his mind is working; he's finding a loophole. I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee of the hope and resurrection of the dead. I am called in question. And when he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say that there's no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit. So they didn't believe in anything. No spirits, no angels, no resurrection. I wonder if they ever opened God's word. Where did they get their doctrine from? And most mysterious of all, how did they get into Sanhedrin to be religious leaders? I guess we have that problem today. How do people get in high church places who don't believe anything? Okay, but the Pharisees confessed both. So they, Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. Strange, I wonder what they did really thing happened to people after they died. No angels. Certainly couldn't have read the Old Testament very carefully. No spirit. Now, both the Old and the New Testaments teach a literal, physical, bodily resurrection of saved and lost. If you want to see a few, a few of those... You can turn to Ezekiel 37 and look at verse 13 and 14. Ezekiel 37, verses 13 and 14. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves 
and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. That's one promise to Israel, that they were going to be resurrected, and not only that, but put back into their own land. Turn to Acts 4.2. Now, we'll be in Acts just for the next three or four scriptures, so hang in Acts. Acts 4.2. Being grieved, okay, let's read verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and certain of the temple and the Sadducees, naturally, came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. No wonder the Sadducees were aggravated. They were the ones that defined doctrine and dogma. They were the church leaders. And here was somebody down on the street preaching resurrection from the dead through one called the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Acts 17, verse 31 and 32. wonderful sermon here verse 30 we'll start with and the times of this ignorance God winked at but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in the which he would judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We'll hear thee again in this matter. Always has been and always will be a matter of mockery and joking. Resurrection of the dead. Or else they can make such weird scientific concoctions of, and horror stories of the horribly mutilated bodies being coming up out of the grave and going around hatcheting people and things like that. That's what man's idea is. This resurrection from the dead is for God's people. It's called, they're said to rise. They rise. The wicked dead are raised. There's a big difference. Big difference. Let's go to Acts now 24, 15 while you're that close. hope toward God which they themselves also allow that there shall be a resurrection of the dead both of the just and the unjust alright turn to Revelation chapter 20 verse 11 through 15 last book in the Bible way last few pages through 15 and I saw a great, a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them and I saw the dead small and great stand before God 
and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's what we call the great white throne judgment. Nobody knows how long it will take place when the event does happen. It's going to happen just as surely as you and me are here this morning, or just as surely as there is a world as there is a sun and a moon and there is stars. What this book says will be, what this book had said in the past, has been. Every prophecy in it fulfilled to just the exact minuteness. That's the white throne judgment. Now, John 5, 28 and 29. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in a grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of the damnation. Only someone who has read the Bible a little bit and learned what they have read knows that there's at least a thousand years between these two resurrections, between the resurrection of the just and the resurrection of the unjust. they both going to happen, just like the second comings, many times, first and second comings. Many times our Lord, in the same verse, would talk about his second coming and his first coming, and this, this is separated by 2,000 years. The resurrection of the just and the resurrection of the unjust separated by 1,000 years. Now, let's get back here to Matthew. Matthew 22, verse 29. This is the part that was not in Luke in our lesson last week. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. Ye do err. Who's he talking to? The big shots the bosses, the Sadducees, the religious leaders. How can a religious leader err? They're not supposed to. If a religious leader errs, that means everybody that listens to them or follows them tries to gain information, even if it has to do with eternal life, is going to be misled. And when it comes to eternal life, and coming to know Christ, that means your eternity is at stake, heaven or hell. Ye do greatly err. No, he says you do err. Oh, Mark fills us in and even says greatly. Turn over there just a second. Mark twelve twenty seven. Next book. Mark twelve twenty seven. Our Lord there says, He's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Ye therefore do greatly err. If our Lord tells someone that they greatly err, 
we better investigate what this error is. And he said, it's not knowing the scriptures. Now notice he does not excuse their ignorance. No excuses there. And there's no condemnation. I mean, uh, he doesn't commend them for living up to the light that they had. Did you ever hear that? Oh, yeah, they're doing fine. They're living up to the light that they had. There's no commendation for that. And he doesn't say that the scriptures are hard or difficult to understand or to read and you need someone else to interpret it for it. He doesn't say that. They're condemned for not reading. You do err not knowing the scriptures. Were the scriptures available to the Sadducees? You bet they were. They were practically the only ones that had them, them and the Pharisees. And how can there be two schools of thought when you got the very same word? Unable to believe what God has said, they invent a life after death situation. And then they teach it as infallible truth. Is that strange to you? Did you ever witness such a thing in your day and time? Purgatory is just one of those inventions. Exactly the very same thing. You do err not knowing the scriptures. You greatly err. And if Jesus considers the blunder as great, we'd better investigate it. Now this portion of Luke and Matthew is the testing ground on many subjects. Heaven, angels, the new Jerusalem, the sons of God in Genesis 6, wingless angels of the Bible, fallen angels, demons in the tribulation, the person of Judas and the condition of the saved in the eternal state. All these things we can gain information on from this portion of Scripture. Now he says, and in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are as. And you're, not, you're not like, you're as. A comparison to. Not saying you're going to be like them. You're going to be as they are, as the angels of God in heaven. Well, what about angels? You know the picture of an angel? You always see this one with the little kids dangling off to this little wooden bridge and the angel is there with a, 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 a young lady's face and big white wings and a big flowing gown. Where do people get a picture of angels like that? There's no female angels. There never has been. The Bible doesn't teach it. You do greatly err not knowing the scriptures. Now cherubims have wings. I want you to see about cherubims. Turn to Ezekiel, the first chapter. Ezekiel, verses 5 through 10. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. And every one had four faces, and every one had four wings. And their feet were straight feet, and the soles of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. 
and they sparkle like the color of burnished brass, and I want to just drop a little tiny hint right here. The soul was like a calf's foot. Why do you think Aaron made a calf for them to worship the first time when Moses was on a mount? And they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides, and they four had their faces and their wings, and their wings were joined one to another, and they turned not when they went, and everyone went straight forward. Cherubims have wings. There weren't very many cherubims. There were five. We're only speaking about four of them here. The fifth cherubim was Satan. He was the one that covered the throne, the worship. Now, seraphims have wings, another order of spirit beings. Turn to Isaiah 6.2. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Seraphim have wings. Angels fly, but they're caused to fly, and they do not have wings. I want you to turn to Revelation 14, 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. You're seeing an angel fly there. I want you to turn to Daniel 9, 21. And that'll be on page 1320. Daniel was in the midst of prayer, and he says, Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man, the man... Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. There was an angel who came to Daniel all the distance from heaven to earth. The time element was the length partial of a prayer. You see, these things you can't understand. Your mind can't keep up with them. This is what's taught in God's word, and our Lord Jesus Christ verified it. In fact, angels, a whole host of them came and celebrated his birth there in, the, in Bethlehem with the shepherds out there, telling him, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Angels came in uh, after the, uh, the temptation on a mount. It's a long trip. But they don't have wings. Angels are not sexless. Like Mr. Schofield would have us to believe in his footnotes on Genesis 6. See, he had to duck out there, not knowing the scriptures. Even Mr. Schofield made mistakes. Mr. Schofield did not know about angels. 
All angels in either testament are male and none are sexless. Now our time is going to run out and we can even finish this tonight. I won't finish it the next hour but tonight. But I want to show you when angels appear how they look. You've got to see it for yourself. Turn to Genesis 18. Verses 1 and 2. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door, bowed himself toward the ground. Skip to verse 22 and 23. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord, and Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Okay, go to Genesis 19, the next chapter. Look at verses 1 and 5 and 10. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat at the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. He bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Verse 5, And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? So they looked exactly like men. Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Verse 10, And the men, which were the angels from in the house, put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. 15, And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened, Lot saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. You see, the word men and angels are used interchangeably describing these angels. Verse 16. And while he lingered, the men, <laughs> angels in 15, men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. Turn to Judges. Chapter 13. Verses 3, 6, and 8 through 11. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her behold now thou art barren and bearest not but thou shalt conceive and bear a son verse 6 then the woman came and told her husband saying a man of God came unto me you see angels and men angels always appear as men and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God very terrible that I asked him not whence he was and neither told me his name Verse 8, Then Manoah entered the Lord and said, Oh, entreated the Lord and said, Oh, my Lord, let the man of God, which thou did sin, come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. The man of God was an angel. Verse 13, And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. Verse 19, so Manoah took a kid with a meat offering and offered it up on a rock unto the Lord. 
And the angel did wondrously. And Manoah and his wife looked on. Okay. That's in the Old Testament. We see angels appearing as men. And there are many other instances. Let's go to the New Testament. Hebrews 13.1. Back to the book of Hebrews. scripture It'd be 113 instead of 131 I had it down backwards But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Galatians 4.14 My temptation which was in my flesh he despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God. Even Paul was taken as an angel of God because he was a man, that's why. Revelation twenty one seventeen. This is kind of a clincher. Revelation 22, 8 and 9. And I, John, saw these things and heard them, and when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. What does the angel say? Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. Luke 24, verse 4. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. That's by the tomb. Also, verse 23, And when they found not his body, they came, saying that... They had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. So they saw two men and then they said it was angels. Our time is just about up this morning. In the Old Testament, angels are called the sons of God. We have that in Job 1. Let's turn there just a minute. We might as well pick up just a little bit before tonight. Job 1. Very, very interesting. Job opens up so much before us that it's unbelievable what information is in Job.
verse 6, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down on it. Now there was a day when the sons of God, angels, who else? What other company would Satan even be involved in coming to present himself with? Or why? See, we, none of the questions of why are answered here for our benefit. It only gives us the information of what happened. Job has some more. Chapter 2. Starts out the same way. First verse. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. Sons of God who? Angels. That's what they're called in the Old Testament. Chapter 38 in Job. And then we're going to finish for this morning. Verses 3 through 6. seven really when the morning star sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy sons of God before the cornerstone of the earth was laid angels sons of God okay that's as far as we'll go this morning we'll we'll finish this up tonight should have finished it last week. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank thee this morning for thy goodness and mercy to us, keeping us to this very hour, this very moment, sending a people here to listen, sending a people here to worship, to sing, sing thy praises. We thank thee for our place of worship, for each one thou hast sent this way, and we ask that what little learning we've done this morning in thy word will accomplish the purpose that thou hast wanted it to do. Our Lord Jesus Christ to be praised, to be admired in all those that have heard and read. And we pray that will bless the following service we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.